My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be a spy. My name is Chris Cherry. I used to watch Marvel movies. And this is Burn Notice, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece Burn Notice about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, wait until the end where we'll explain them. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan, Matt Nix, or anyone even remotely related to the Burn Notice television universe, please get in touch. You can connect us, send us questions, suggestions, compliments, and absolutely no criticism of any kind. Happy 2022, everybody, to burnnoticepodcast at gmail.com or to our Twitter, at burnnoticepod. And as always, that is burnnoticepodcast. With a D. I feel like you put a little bit of Warburton on that at one point. I like to I like to pull out my like, you know, uh old timey radio Patrick Warburton voice sometimes yeah. when I do the intro. Just it gives me no, a little it's good. You know. It gives I, a little I, tingle. I have a podcast. I should use my podcast voice, which is a bad impression of Patrick Warburton. Of course. So uh you don't watch Marvel movies anymore? What is the significance of your intro this week, Chris? I watched Spider-Man yesterday and I didn't care for it. Oh, I liked Spider-Man. I got very emotional when, spoiler alert, Tommy McGuire came on screen and I was like, oh, yeah. that's my Spider-Man. This podcast is coming out, like, far enough in the future <laughs> that I feel like we can talk about Spider-Man and not have to, like, spoiler alert, Spider-Man. I mean, some people might not feel comfortable being in the theaters right now. And that's valid. And I understand that. Okay, we're... We're gonna talk about Spider-Man. Yeah, spoilers so for Spider-Man. Spo- spoilers for Spider-Man. I did enjoy... I mean, like... I loved how he just um, walks out and he just looks just like Tony Hawk. (laughs) I don't know if that was my reaction, but I don't know. It was just that same kind of like unassuming white guy who kind of looks like he skateboards maybe. All right, I can Um, do it. Looks a little bit ragged. I know. I really liked him in the movie, even though by all accounts, he's a terrible human being. Oh, really? Tell me why Oh, no. Yeah. He's like... What's he done? He's just like kind of awful. And apparently, I think, is it Michael Sarah and Molly's Game is based on Tobey Maguire. And That's Molly's Game. I've never it is, heard of that. It is a movie that is based on an autobiography of this woman who ran, like, high-stakes poker games in Hollywood. Hmm. And in the movie, Michael Sarah is kind of being a Tobey Maguire stand-in. And his whole thing is he likes to ruin ruin people's lives Hmm. like he likes to break people in poker because he's very good at poker that's too bad and so by all accounts he's just like a garbage person but he's good in the movie Mm -hmm. but honestly not as good in the movie as andrew garfield is who is the best in the movie Interesting. I mean, I think Tom Holland's doing a, a good job. I think Tom Holland's Spider-Man is the most certainly age-appropriate, but I think he does a really good job I as Spider-Man. Do. I do think he perhaps, like, had to perform slightly out of his range. Like, he was, like, pushing up against his range in the movie. When he had to do the full, like, rage and yeah, sadness over anime. exactly. But yeah, and also just, it's a weird, like, movie that that's plot, like, it's he has no arc in the movie. It's very weird because it seems like his arc is supposed to be like about he has to grow up and have the response, like take the responsibility of his actions by completely cutting himself off from his support system. Mm-hmm. While also at the same time arguing that his support system and his ability to work as a team player is the thing that makes him unique among the Spider-Man. Yeah, it, it's um, a little tonally inconsistent. It's also kind of clunky and like Doctor Strange is like very important at, at first and then 
doesn't appear for a very long time. Like we just sort of like yeah. shunned him to a parallel universe for a while because we're like, we don't have time for this guy. Exactly. <laughs> and also, I feel like Peter's whole plan of like taking all the supervillains and like curing them. Like anytime you do like a plot that's about curing difference. Like, it's not necessarily eugenics, but it kind of is well, eugenics. Well, I mean, obviously this is a very specific situation, but I, I would argue it's, it's still bad because, like, presumably he's he's plucking them right before they're about to die, I guess, as yeah. far as we know. Exactly, like, yeah. So imagine back to all of the situations that these guys are in right before they get plucked out. When you put them back, just because they're a nicer guy, if they're, like, about to get their fucking face punched in by Spider-Man, what are they going to do? Like, hey, 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 hang on. I just had a a crazy alternate universe experience, and I'm good now, actually. (laughs) To be fair, in these situations, both them and the Spider-Man have shared the experience. Yeah, but he didn't know that. No, of course, he didn't know that. So, like, the original, like, plan of we're going to cure supervillains and put them back in their timeline, not really thinking about the fact that other Spider-Man... Like, so the original plan, as they understand it, is they're just going to put them back to the moment right before they're about to be brutally murdered and or arrested. Yeah, but their souls are saved. (laughs) They're right with God now. (laughs) But I mean, that's the only explanation, right? I mean, I think the idea is, like, they'll go, wait, wait, wait. I don't know if that, like... But how would I that don't... work? Like, you, we know that we've seen all these movies, or most yeah. of them, presumably. We know how it, like, went down up until that point. No, yeah, like, like I don't understand, like, what is, yeah, what they think it's supposed to be. How, it's very weird. It's like, no, it is this thing of, like... If we do our due diligence to say we cured people, we don't have to think about them. And I don't like that. I don't know if that's exactly what they're... I think maybe you're reading a little bit more into that. What I'm saying is... I'm not saying that it's intentional. I'm just saying that it's eugenics flavored. And it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I mean, fine. I don't know if I would read it that far. Like, that's the least generous reading of it possible. I mean, yeah, but it's because there. there's other problems there's e- there's easier problems to pluck from the tree of problems. i know but that's like the problem that made me like it the least i All think right. like i don't know it's did like, you watch hawkeye the, uh, the tv show hawkeye. it's very fun i think you would like it i know but i'm just, also i'm just like done like i feel like i didn't like like it couldn't end i don't like this thing any i don't like the thing that marvel does anymore yeah. where like nothing ever ends mm-hmm. nothing it just feels like things keep happening forever the captain and america ended chris evans is out exactly. iron man is out that's no, ended exactly that's my point they passed I like, the torch exactly i i feel like with endgame i'm satisfied and i don't need to do this thing ever again i feel like i got it yeah i mean that's true, but it's not realistic to our media landscape. No, and of there are enough that, like I'm finally I'm not, at the point where I'm not gonna watch all of them. Because no, I used course. to be like a completionist, but like I didn't see the second Garfield Spider Man. I oh, didn't see the not, Eternals, yeah. which you said was bad. I no, I didn't I haven't seen the Eternals. Oh, somebody saw it and said it was bad. I, I mean, most people thought it was kind of bad. Exactly. Um, which is too bad, but Chloe Joe, get that fucking paper, lady. Get that paper. Uh, but no, like I think and too fair, I'm not saying they should not make these movies. I'm just saying I am checked out. I am not. And I'm saying I get why you're like that. And I am not 
gonna not watch, but I'm d- certainly not gonna like force myself to like see all of them. Yeah, you know, it's no longer I'm no longer Pokemon mindset. Gotta catch them all. Yeah. I'm like I'll figure it. I'll read the Wikipedia page for the shit I haven't seen, or like if I'm homesick, maybe I'll plug in a Disney Plus and like watch something I haven't watched before. There's just the sense that like in order to like make all the moving pieces work, everything has been like ironed all anything interesting has been ironed out of everything yeah and it's just it's all kind of slick connective tissue Mm -hmm. and there's no there there Mm -hmm. and i just don't i'm not interested in anymore and i Mm -hmm. felt like and this this movie was like the one where i'm like well i love spider-man i'm like i'm in the pocket for this and like they're gonna be referencing the other movies that's gonna be fun and if this one doesn't work on me then nothing will and it just didn't really work on me. Like, there was bits that were good. Honestly, my favorite part of the movie is when Andrew Garfield catches MJ. Holy shit. And the funny thing is, I hadn't even seen... Like, I obviously know what happens in the second yeah. Andrew Garfield movie. So, like, it still worked on me. But, like, it worked on me in spite of never having seen the movie. Which is perfect in my corner of, like, yeah, I don't need to see all of these. I just no. need to see most of them and read a couple of AV Club think pieces. If AV Club hasn't completely yeah. gone under. Have you been oh. watching the oh, AV Oh, no, I have been watching the AV Club thing. We love unions. We hate people yes. who misuse them and who... Except for cop unions. Oh, yeah. Cop unions can go fuck. All cop themselves. unions are bastards. Mm-hmm. Cop unions are bastard unions. <laughs> so speaking of things that speaking might be of, a little over the line. Uh, yeah. Speaking of cops. <laughs> I was thinking of cops. This is season six, episode 13. It's called Over the Line. It aired November 15th, 2012, and was written by Benny Boy Watkins and directed by Mark Roskin. Names we've heard before do not need to dwell. We should also say at this point that the, we're back together for the first time in a break. Just yeah, like, the, that intro might have been a tad long uh, yeah. because this is our first 2022 recording. I mean, I, I mentioned it during my intro. Yeah. I said, uh, if you want to know what complicated, blah, blah, blah. And you said... Uh, I, had, I said, to, like, Happy New Year, welcome ha- to 2022. Exactly. Even though our audience, our listening audience has been in 22 for a while, I do think... I also we, think last episode we mentioned, like, this is our last episode we're recording in 2021 before we go. Exactly. Sorry. But now we're asking... Now you're asking them... To listen to every single episode when you won't even watch every single Marvel movie anymore. <laughs> but Marvel is not as important as Burn Notice. Because Burn Notice knows when to end. I, presumably. I don't know. We haven't gotten to that point yet. That's true. It remains to be seen if we find this conclusion satisfying. Oh, also, speaking of, actually, we're, did you notice that on the Burn Notice wiki, like, at the top of the um, all the episodes list that we use to um, get the spy tips, there is a whole list of uh, episode eight titles claiming that episode eight is coming out in 2022. Wow. <laughs> like, they've, like, come up with names for the episodes, but I don't think this is based in reality. Like, I looked into it. No. It does not appear that there are any plans for season eight we do not have time for this we have time for reading the imdb description though to get into the episodes quote with the authorities after him for the death of tom card michael must risk sam's life in order to escape which is like a dramatic reading when i read that i was like "Mm, sam's life is in danger it's not sam's actual human mortal life is never in danger no it's like i mean his freedom is in danger yeah but that's not risking sam's life I mean that phrase, that con- the connotation of that is very different from Here's the, the reality thing. of the episode. 
I feel I felt more like Sam was in danger in this episode than normally when they put Sam in danger because they are not risking his moral life. They're not going to kill off Sam, but they might put Sam in jail for a while. They put Fee in jail. They might put Sam in jail. That's true. Like, so I felt the stakes were higher. I mean, the stakes are high. I'm just saying the phrasing of putting risk Sam's life. I thought it was like Sam was hanging off a building or something. I, it's that's the weird, imagery it conjured it's such a weird distinction to make it's like risk his life you know what risk his life means no i know but still it's like i'm just saying i was assuming a much different kind of stakes episode to be uh, really quickly before we get into the weeds taking your temperature how do you feel about this episode i liked it i, I liked fine. it too i thought it was like this was an episode that gave me a lot of like ha you know, like that cackle you do when like a character does something clever or like you rec- you notice like, ah, they did the thing. I, I also watched this last night at like 1.30 in the morning, <laughs> right after coming home from watching Spider-Man. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Um, that's when I watched it. So adrenaline was high. Adrenaline was high. And I, honestly, part of me was like, this is so simple. I enjoy this. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's a caper episode. It's like you know it's a transitionary episode where we yeah. have to like get the gang from one situation to a different. I like one. I so like that I one. don't have to keep track of Doctor Strange in this episode of Burn Notice. <laughs> and with that, let's go ahead and get into the weeds to see what we do have to keep track of. So the first thing is like the use of guilt in this episode because everyone has a lot of feelings about the murder that Michael did last time. So yes. Sam starts the episode absolutely horrified, running into the room, finding Dr. Cox dead and seeing that his gun is still in his holster. So clearly this was just a like stone cold fucking murder. This was not self-defense, you know, like we're normally killing people in. This is not two bad guys shooting each other by accident, even though we set them up for it. Like we do normally, like this is Michael Weston shot this man in the head. This was an execution. This was an execution. It looks like an execution. It's very bad. He was shot execution style. (laughs) I don't know if he was, I don't actually know know what execution style means i think it's when they're on the ground uh an execution style murder is an act of criminal murder where the perpetrator kills at close range a conscious victim who is under the complete physical control of the assailant who has been left with no course of resistance or escape oh, so it's not quite execution style. no yeah because he had a gun and he wasn't 100 percent under his control i think like if he had been tied up yeah that's ex- exactly. execution style that makes execution style well now we all know that um so anyway, so so Sam is pissed. He's like, why didn't you call me? We could have talked you out of this. And he's like, no, not to be done. Blah, 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 blah. So they like climb up one floor because like instantly, I, I don't even remember. Did last episode, like somebody call somebody? Like did Tom Card call somebody in? How do they know something's gone down? How does the CIA know to show up? I I am assuming Card called someone. Oh yeah, because he was about to set. He was setting. He was up setting Tyler up Gray. Tyler Gray. Yeah. Yeah. So he set up Tyler Gray to look like he wasn't shot in Stone Cold Murder style, but in fact, in uh, Card shot him in self defense. Right. Michael did not do the similar dressing of the body. He was just like, "I killed this guy." Me, Michael Weston. Hello, I'm from Miami. This is my mom's address, and I killed Dr. Cox. He just, like, he's leaving DNA everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, like, spitting on everything, licking the doorknob. He masturbates over the body. <laughs> Everyone knows it's Michael Weston. So anyway, so the CIA is closing in. Sam and Michael, like, climb up one set, uh, like, climb up the side of the building, I guess. We don't see this part. It's just sort of assumed that they've done this um, to, like, give themselves a little bit of free reign until Fee can help them escape. So they call Fee, who alongside Jesse is, like, trying to scout the exterior, but, like, 
it's not looking good because a CAA bigwig named Olivia Riley rolls up to the scene and has fully blocked off the exits. This lady is business. I have to mention she was on The Wire. She was the main <laughs> character on The Wire. She was one of the series regulars. She played. She's very good. I liked she her a lot. Kima Gregg. She was a lesbian cop. I love that for her. Yeah. And I love her in this. Like she, no, she's, she's she does a really good job of like like they've really leveled up since like Anson and everybody because like she absolutely knows her shit. Right. Like she's not malicious. She's just really fucking good. And I thought that Ben Watkins did a good job of like showing us her thought process and like watching how she sort of figures things out and like when she picks up on like little cues that's like, oh no, actually fuck you. Yeah, no, it's she's legitimately good at it. The problem is legitimately difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a difficult problem the entire episode. And I really enjoy that because it's just we, sh- we, ha- we we show our gang on the run. We show them having to improvise all of them at their best. And I think Ben Watkins does a really good job with it. Yeah, I do too. So Michael has a slightly vague idea to like escape, even though Fee and Jesse are like, there's no way to escape. You can't do this. And he's like, no, I'm going to I'm going to get it. So Fee, meet me at a certain place. Um, and Agent Riley continues to lock shit down. Michael has no choice but to take a guard down in full view of the security feed, which he's going to try to use to his advantage. And of course, everyone recognizes him instantly, like, hey, that's Michael Weston. His blood type is O negative. His mom lives on the beach. <laughs> so they're like, Huge loads. <laughs> exactly. It's like, there's Michael Weston. He's right there. So they let go up to grab him. Um, Sam plays a worker of some kind. I'm not sure how they got his uniform. Like, where did they find Sam's uniform so quickly to, like, look like a worker? I don't know. Did they get it from the other guy? I don't think... Did they take another guy down? It's unclear, but Sam has a a uniform and he's acting like, hey, I'm just a guy that works here. That dude just killed Norm. Norm, are you okay? (laughs) Don't talk, Norm. Don't talk. Yeah, so, like, the, the guy that Michael has taken down, like, obviously does not recognize Sam. I'm impressed that Michael thinks that Sam is so under the radar from all of their dealings, literally with the FBI, that they're like, they won't notice Sam. They'll notice me. Because, like, basically the premise is that he doesn't think that anyone knows what Sam looks like, but he knows everyone knows what he looks like. So that's why Michael shows his face on the security camera, and then Sam is going to try to, like, sneak out with the CIA, like, just as a worker. Mm-hmm. Um, so Sam can get out with everyone. Michael will find, like, a backdoor sort of a situation. But, like, Sam has also worked for the CIA right. a lot with Michael. <laughs> Yeah, it is wild that he's like this Bruce Campbell ass looking motherfucker is so unrecognizable that he can just be a maintenance worker. Right. No, it does not make any sense. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. But, you know, he's he's hamming it up. He's doing a good job. So Sam is uh, going down on the elevator with the CAA and, and the to be fair, norm. To be fair, like Riley does recognize. Yeah, she recognizes him once we get to Riley. But yeah. But everyone else is like, I don't know who this motherfucker is, but Michael Weston's over there. So anyway, Sam goes down in the elevator with everybody. Michael is on top of the elevator and rides it down. Michael then climbs out into the, like, um, car park garage, like the, uh, what is that called? Parking garage? Parking garage. There it is. Yeah. Car park garage. Car Parking, park garage. Yeah. Car park garage. Park car garage. <laughs> uh, so that's where Michael goes. Um, and he breaks into an old vehicle there's a spy tip about this later and basically busts through the side of the the parking garage he just drives through it i don't know how he knew which one side was like the weak spot i guess that's a thing he surveys when he goes into a a 
a new building like which walls are load bearing and which balls can i to- walls can i totally bust through which walls are made of styrofoam <laughs> uh but in any case every car park garage has a styrofoam wall mm-hmm. you have to find it yeah you have to just know um and so anyways he busts through the wall and fee and jesse drive him off and so they assume that sam's going to meet them at the rendezvous point because sam has gotten out totally clean he's just a worker unfortunately i think sam he's maybe... just a blue collar joe <laughs> i do think that sam is pulling is like being a little hammy like I, I he seems to be hanging around to make sure that his his buddy norm is okay it it seems like maybe he could have gotten out of there faster yeah. but in any case it goes badly but before we get to that we have a short scene in the car where michael is in uh with fee and jesse and confesses to his murder again and they are also horrified but fee kind of like clams up pretty quickly and it's like all right jesse stop asking questions <laughs> Um, so they drive off. It seems like they're both like, oh, that's fucked. But honestly, yeah. <laughs> no, that's their vibe. Because that's their whole vibe up to this point. Like, they've always been the one that the ones that are like, yeah, sometimes you're going to have to just kill them. But yeah, that's also, the, yeah, everyone's vibe is like, Sam and, or Jesse and Fee are kind of in the middle. Yeah. In terms of like, morally gray. Like, they're right. good people. But they're a little rougher around the edges. They're a little rougher around the Sam's the good old boy. Exactly. Because I guess Michael is the murderer. In, yeah. <laughs> every, Sam, every group has two morally gray <laughs> hotties, a good old boy, and a murderer. Exactly. Which one are you? <laughs> I would like to think that I'm one of the morally gray. Or well, the we, murderer. We know you're the murderer. Yeah. 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 Well, anyways, I forgot to mention there's also a car chase during this time oh, yeah. as they're, like, driving away. A lot of this episode, this oh. is honestly a really easy episode to, like, <laughs> recap because it's, like, now they go here and do a thing. Now they go here and then the thing is over. If I remember correctly, this car chase is another one of those obviously a car commercial car chases. <laughs> well, yeah, because there's a spy to about, like, you need a car that can handle tight turns and blah, blah, blah. And the transmission's really good. Honda Civic. It's not no, like, Honda Civic, but, like, whatever car it is. It was a Hyundai. Uh, sure. Um, no, I really. It really feels like these particular spy tips feel like they're written and written and shot in such a way that you could literally lift them out of the episode and turn them into commercials. I mean, I'm sure that was the idea. Yeah. They gotta fund these big car chases somehow. Yeah, it's like not. It's not just product placement, but it's also like actual advertising that you can use as advertising. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because they shoot it from like 17 different angles. Exactly. I mean, it's it's a like good ch- shot like a car commercial. It's a good chase. Fee does a good job. I love when Fee is in the driver's seat and she's like very calm and everyone around her is freaking out and she's like, please calm down. I have to do a car chase now. Uh, but they get away. Not exactly clean, but they do get away and uh, now that they just got to go wait for Sam. Uh, meanwhile, Sam is hamming it up and is instantly recognized by agent riley who plays it coy at first and is like oh so how do you know norm blah 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 blah. um and he's like oh yeah i'm just like a worker can i go now and she's like "Mm, no thank you sam x actually you should stop lying to me because this is going to go a lot easier for you if you do so she she also puts it that he's like well i don't know michael weston that well she's like i'm pretty sure if michael weston got married tomorrow you would be his best man and he like there's like a brief moment where bruce campbell looks like a little bit touched and he's like ha michael weston married you need to check your sources like he's really trying to play yeah. it cool he's like rolling with trying he's got like eight different things he does over the course of this episode like trying to play riley and the first one is like i don't know michael weston that much he's like a mercenary he's a murderer didn't you hear 
<laughs> and Agent Ray is like, yeah, okay, I know you're best friends with him and his mom. But she keeps it very close to the vest, which I really like. Because a lot of times, like, agents that are against Michael, like, are basically bad, like, B-movie villains where they just give their whole speech right up front so you know exactly what their perspective is. Agent Riley keeps it really close to yeah. the chest, which I like a lot. Because it gives her a lot more power and control over the situation. And even though, obviously, we're rooting against her... I'm kind of also rooting for her. I'm like, this is good. This is how every villain should be handling this. This is how every antagonist should be handling this. This is an adult. Exactly. So uh, Michael eventually calls Sam, because obviously, where is he? And Agent Riley uses some kind of like fancy program that makes it seem like the phone is still dialing, but actually they picked it up and are tracing it. Luckily, Michael like stops uh, the call early enough that they don't have his exact location, but they do know like general trajectory. And they're like listing off places that they could possibly be headed. And because Agent Riley is watching Sam in like the reflection of her monitor, she notices when he flinches and it's at a storage unit because like that's where the the gang is heading to go to their storage unit, like uh, arsenal up and head out. (laughs) And so she watches Sam, watches him flinch and is like, oh yeah, they're definitely at the storage unit. And he's like, what? How do you know that? And she's like, oh, (laughs) because Sam's flinching back there. Fucking idiot. Uh, also dope. I love that. If she was the, if she was our protagonist, we'd be like, hell yeah, Agent Riley knows what's up. She's so clever. Like it's, it's like almost a very psych move. Like there's an early episode of psych where uh, he does that. He like pretends to be psychic by watching people in like reflections. They didn't realize were there. I like it. I think it was good. Um, so like. You love this cop. I do love this cop. This cop is great. As far as antagonist cop goes in Burn Notice, I like one that's actually a challenge, who's, like, competent and not vicious. Because, like, at a certain point, she's like, we're going to kill Michael Weston. He's an enemy of the state. But, like, everything she does feels totally reasonable from her perspective. And I think that's more interesting. No, I agree. Like, I find her to be interesting, and I'm excited they're giving me someone who's even halfway competent. Anyways, uh, so Michael hangs up. We don't know if the trace went through yet, but in any case, he's going to call his mom um, to meet him the next morning because he points out it might be his only chance. Because they've also, they've all basically resigned themselves to, like, leaving the country at this point. They're like, we're war criminals. We have to leave the country. I'll see my mom tomorrow, though. Um, So then he takes his phone apart because he kind of assumes that he's going to be traced. Um, If Sam is in trouble, he's like, they probably have my call traced. So um, we do see the traces fail, but blah, 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 blah. We know where they're headed. So the gang have paid a guy off at the gas station near the storage unit, which gives them about a two-minute warning before the feds roll up. So Michael uses this time to bug the car that they're about to ditch to hopefully get a little bit more info. And there's, like, a cool thing about, like, if you hook it up to the lighting system of the car... Like, it can power the bug for a little while. Blah, 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 blah. We'll talk about this in the spy Exactly. We move on. uh, And then when Riley rolls up, we listen, or the gang and us listen in as Riley, who Michael and Jesse know and are very scared of. They're like, oh, she's intense. Everyone gets trained off her case study. She's awesome. (laughs) She played Kima on the wire. (laughs) A show that allegedly exists. Um, And so they're listening to Riley totally work over Sam and try to use his guilt against him. Like, Sam, you're the good old boy of the group. Why are you protecting the murderer? He's a murderer. And um, unfortunately for her, Sam's a little bit wily too and is about to lead her on a wild goose chase. Michael's guilt is also piqued during this, you know, interrogation. And is like, I'm going to turn myself in. And Jesse's like, no, you won't. That's a bad idea. Because what you want to do is feel better. That will make you feel better, but it will not solve our problem. 
<laughs> like, if you think she's just going to hand, like, she, he's like, she came from the wire. She would never just hand Sam over to us. It's not like a prisoner exchange. You'd both go to jail, you idiot. No, we have to do something else. And so uh, Michael's like, fine. And Fee points out that, well, the wild juice, goose chase that Sam's about to lead them on, there is actually, luckily, only one road leading into that marina. So we can use it to ambush them, separate her from her team, and get Sam back. They're like, well, I guess that's our only option. So sure, let's go to the one road leading into the marina that Sam's leading them to. Um, back at Maddie's place, which is partially packed, because if you'll remember, uh, Maddie was thinking of leaving Miami. That's right. Mm -hmm. I didn't remember that until this scene. And I was like, oh, yeah, she was moving to s somewhere else. In somewhere Florida? other place. I think maybe she was moving in with her sister. Yeah, something like that. I think there's a, an Aunt Weston that we don't know. Yeah, exactly. Or I guess wouldn't Auntie be Weston. Because Weston. Yeah. It, it's her married name that's Weston. It's not. That's true. Whatever Madeline's maiden name. She has a sister, I think, that she was going to go move in with. Or maybe a, a, a girlfriend or something. Anyway, right. so she's in her house. She's packing things up. She's looking very depressed and smoking a lot. Um, and when uh, the door rings and she finds a CIA and police officer who are there. And they're like, hey, have you heard from Michael? And so she's instantly like, yeah, I did earlier today. And at first I kind of panic. Like, oh, no. Does Madeline not, like, is Madeline going to tell them something? But she queen of my heart plays it perfectly uh is like oh honestly i couldn't really hear what he was saying i'm like hard of hearing um you know do you guys want to come in to like get some lemonade or something and they're like yeah sure we'll do that and so late early, like later in the scene she's like oh sorry i couldn't hear that what do you want lemonade or iced tea like she, she continues the con of like being a hard of hearing old lady and like plays it perfectly so that she can listen in on shit they're saying and eventually report it to michael i love this scene a lot no it's because really good. instantly when she sees them she's like something is wrong i must protect my son no of course she's but always also get info she's always really good at this mm -hmm. like whenever anyone she comes... plays into their assumptions about yeah. her yeah and it's like, she tells them, because ex like, I, I love that, you know, it would be one thing to say, no, I haven't heard from him. And like, they would obviously know that. But I think she has been around the gang enough to know that like, they're not asking me because they're wondering, they're asking me to gauge my reaction. So right. I can't pretend like he didn't call me. He did call me. There's a record of it. But what I can do is control what they know about the thing that we both know. Exactly. Season one, Madeline would not have done this. No, of course not. But I love season six, Madeline. I love that we've gotten to this point where she's like, she's not just like keeping it cool, but also actively getting new information. Exactly. Like she's so prepped and ready. Mm -hmm. She's just like. And like, she clearly isn't happy about it, which I also like. No, of course. Like there's a part of me that kind of wishes that she's like badass Mama Weston spy. <laughs> like I kind of want her to be like bloodthirsty and like a spy like everyone else. But I like that they've grounded this in like, she's an old retired lady. She's had a hard life. Her son just died. She doesn't like doing all of this, but she knows what needs to be done. You yes, know, it's no, honestly a very Weston family way of handling it things. It really is. No, I like, yeah, I like exactly where Madeline's character is right now. Me too. And I like that she's, spoiler alert, staying in Miami. Yeah. Is that a spoiler alert for this episode? I don't know. Or was it next episode? It doesn't matter. I think it's probably next week, but it's fine. It's all fine. Oh, wow. We're not worried about spoilers anymore? You, Miss Spoiler Queen. I think I have gotten like nine hours of sleep in the past three days. Fair enough. Um, so anyway, so Madeline is taking care of business. Sam 
then as they're about to, like, as Riley's about to roll out to the marina, Sam learns that Michael knows about his gambit because basically they're like, hey, the marina was a good tip, Sam. Thanks for telling us where Michael is. Here's a picture of him heading to the marina. And Sam's like, how did he know that I was going to do that? So Sam very quickly has to like replay things in his head. And he's like, all right, I guess they know somehow and they're planning something else. And Riley's like, all right, well, we're going to send you to jail to like wait around while we go get Michael. And then like, I promise I'll be nice to you because you turned in Michael Weston. He's like, wait, no, you have to bring me with you. <laughs> and so he has to like scan his way back on the team. Cause he realizes like, Oh my, I'm not like valiantly sacrificing myself. They have heard me do that and raised me. No, we're going to still get you out, Sam. So I need to make sure that I am there for my own rescue. And it takes a little bit of doing, but he does manage to like get himself back in the gang to head off to the marina. Then we have a little bit of a montage where the rest of the squad sets up their ambush. You know, they put their charges around and we get a little like stuff we've kind of heard of before of like, if you're trying to fuck up a choke point, like here's some places to put stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a small moment where Fiona goes and checks on Michael, like, hey, are you, you okay? <laughs> you yeah. did straight up murder a person earlier and like Sam's missing and like the whole thing. Like, like her priorities are not like she has accepted that like, yeah, he had to kill that guy. Like he maybe didn't need to kill that guy for like to save his life or anything, but like he needed to kill that guy. And so at this point she is like, in a reassuring mode. Mm -hmm. And I like that too. Yeah, because no, I like too. I think a worse written fee would be like, I mean, I can't believe you did that, but blah blah blah. But like she's like, so you killed a guy, that's fine. How are you doing? Exactly. <laughs> like, are you do you need anything? Some tea? <laughs> like while they're setting bombs, which, you know, is their love language. It really is. So they go hide to their like separate places to prepare. Uh Sam uh is driven up in the car, but he makes another mistake in trying to like seem confident in his own con. So basically, um uh, Riley, I almost called her Pierce. Riley shows him like an, an aerial shot of the marina. And my instinct as somebody lying would be like, I don't know, it's on the west side. It's called this kind of boat. Like he would yeah. just say a boat. But he points to a specific boat and she's like, How are you sure? And he's like, Yeah, I'm sure. He took me fishing on it and a swordfish hit the boat or something. Like there's the mark on it. And she's like, How long ago did you go fishing? And he's like, Oh, a couple weeks ago. And she's like, Well, this photo's from six months ago. Everybody stop. Something's fucked. Like, something is going on. That is true. Like, S Sam is a little bit of victim of his own hubris in this mm -hmm. episode. Yeah, it, twice now. Because yeah. the first time, I genuinely think that, like, it's not necessarily that Riley knows what's up. Because I don't think she's seen anything yet. Like, he wasn't on the security camera. So, like, they, they weren't really paying attention to him. They were, they were pursuing Michael. But, like, he was definitely hamming around with fucking Norm right. outside there. And then, yeah, in this case, he adds just one or two too many details. And, like, I feel like it would be totally fair to be like, I don't know, it's an aerial shot. Like, I don't know what the shape of his boat is from bird's eye view. Right. Why would I know that? It's a boat called the Island's Mistress. Go right. find it. <laughs> like, as... Yeah, it seems like it... It did seem... It was so specific. I, mm -hmm. like... And I feel like that's the sort of thing that you don't do when you lie. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, there's two there. I mean, burn notice has shown us both ways, right? There's one where it's like you stay vague enough that like they fill in the details for you. But then there's the other version where like a lot of cons and like confidence men add enough of their own details that it feels true. So like they're right. basically your gambit is one or the other It's like, see if you can let them fill in information and fair enough to Sam that it kind of seems like she wouldn't, 
volunteer information for him. Like he, he can't trick her into giving him information. Right. So he has to go hard in the other direction of like sounding genuinely confident. I still think it's a bad choice. It is a bad choice. He shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have done that. She knows it. But I like, you know, that she's instantly like, everybody stop. (laughs) I will say. This isn't just a waste of our time. We're there. Something is wrong. I will say this episode is well written enough that like, I find myself saying he shouldn't have done that to Sam, the character Mm -hmm. and not to Ben Watkins, the writer. Yeah. A hundred percent. I like, I'm pointing this out as I'm talking about it because it's occurring to me like, don't do that. Because also, you know, so, so much of this show is me being like, how can I use what they're doing to help me in real life? How right. can I learn to lie like Sam acts? And in this case, I would not lie like Sam acts. When's the most recent time you put into practice a burn notice tip? I mean, so much of it is just like background noise at this point. Like a lot of it is like when I'm walking around like, oh, actually recently. Um, so I was at the Starbucks across from my apartment and this like creepy guy was uh, like, he wouldn't stop talking to me, even though I was like, I'm at work, sir. I need to get back to my work. And he kept talking to me, kept talking to me. And so like I had to, there, there I, I like got out, I, I managed to give him enough information that he would leave me alone and like not know anything useful about me. And then I had to like circumvent my way back home. And like, I used some like vague, like how to check if someone's following you, like, you know, how to double back, you know, stuff like that. I had like an Uber driver that was like way too interested in my personal life and work schedule. It was like, uh. Oh yeah. And did you use burnout stuff? I know because I'm bad at it. I'm a terrible liar. <laughs> And so I just kind of... It's hard when you're in an Uber and you've already given them the address. Exactly. Was he driving you home? Yeah, of course he was. And like... Did you say... I Like, that's happened to me before and I've loudly been like, yeah, I can't wait to go to my friend's house. I haven't seen them in so long. I I get to see them so rarely. Because like, they don't know what it's labeled in my... No, that's true. They don't know that it's... My label is home. So like, I've done that before where I've like loudly been like, yeah, I can't wait to see my friend. That's who I'm going to see. This is not my place of, of home. My thing about that is like, I'm always kind of worried that like if I'm announcing that I'm going somewhere where, like, maybe there's less people who know me, like, I'm going into an unfamiliar place. Yeah, but what you're also doing is saying, someone is expecting me, I don't come here that often, so you knowing this address is not that useful to you. Exactly. That's my primary modus operandi, is, like, don't just, like, drive around this street, you will not see me. Right. Anyway. (laughs) Burn notice. Being a woman is terrible. Anyways, so everyone gets out of the cars and it's like, something's fucked up. You guys go check, like, what's happening? They find all the charges, they disarm the charges, and the gang is now scrambling, like, well, fuck, <laughs> our ambush is wrong, and now they know we're here, and our bombs are gone, and they're all on foot. Like, what are we gonna do? So then they're like, well, I think we just need to bail out and hope we can find Sam later, because, like, we have such a short window of time before they fall back up, and, like, we're fully surrounded, and conveniently jesse finds a like storm drain that leads to that has sewer access and so they're like we can get out through the sewers and we'll figure it out later and michael's like we have one more gambit we know that they're tracking my phone now like there's no way they would have gotten as close to us as they had were they not so how about because riley's waiting for backup we force her to come in now when she's has a worse position and like you know 
separate her from her men so that we can like get Sam because they're not going to bring Sam into the ambush. But if they think they have to move now, otherwise we're going to escape. We at least have fewer people to deal with. So Michael does that. And the way that he does it is he calls Sugar, who tells Sugar. Sugar must be someone's best friend because there is no reason why this man has come back so many times and was also in the pilot. You know what I mean? Like they must have, he must have been the buddy of someone, probably Matt Nix. And that's why he got a role in the pilot, which is so fun. And that's why they bring it back every time, like bring him back so often. You never would have thought watching the pilot Mm -hmm. that we were going to see, or even watching the first season, because it takes a while for Sugar to come back. Mm -hmm. It seems like Sugar was in the pilot and was gone for like two seasons. Mm -hmm. And now he's in like at least once a season, if not multiple episodes a season, just to be Sugar. Yeah. It's so wild. But like, it kind of is heartwarming because there's no reason they would bring him back unless they really liked him because yeah. they do not have to call Sugar. No, they don't. They could call him. literally anyone. But no, he calls Sugar, which I love. Uh, and so Sugar is at like a tailor? Yeah, he's at a tailor. He's getting a custom suit. He's like bragging about it to Michael. He's like, oh, my old friend, Michael Weston. I'm getting a suit. What are you up to, friend? And Michael's, His hair is really big in this one. It is really big and so smooth. He honestly looks better in this episode than he has in a while. No, he looks a little bit like a Ken doll. <laughs> And so anyways, Michael's like, the U.S. government's about to record this call. All I need you to do is say yes to everything I'm saying. And it takes a little bit, but finally Sugar is on board. And so Michael's basically like, hello, you're going to get, are are the guys on their way? Yes. What about the choppers? They're on their way. So like Sugar basically just has to like affirmationally play along to the con that Michael is doing. And then as soon as they hang up, Sugar puts his phone in uh, his tailor's coffee, which I thought was a nice little button of the scene. And that's a wrap on Sugar again. (laughs) I, I, I... I adored it so much. I thought it was fun. I thought it was really fun. Can you imagine being friends with Michael Weston and having to deal with that shit all the time? Honestly, I would love it. I would kind of love it. I think it'd be fun. Yeah. I mean, especially if like, I knew if I got in trouble, me playing along a handful of times would probably work out in my favor eventually. Especially because my association with Michael Weston is going to get me into trouble. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good for you, except for like the one time when it kills you or something. Sure. But, you know. Or you go to jail forever because the CIA. (laughs) Because Detective Kima from The Wire is going to come get you. (laughs) Because you're aiding and abetting a war criminal. Um, anyways, so that happens. And so then Fee and Jesse go through the sewer to, like, come up further along to, like, basically come up back of the people um the the agent riley the agent riley the agent riley agent riley sends most of her people off to go get michael who's like got his phone on him and is like being tracked so michael runs off to a different further along building he packs a block of c4 full of bullets to like go off and simulate like they're shooting from anywhere uh so that he can kind of like buy himself some time um and basically michael has a standoff with like a bunch of agents who are like this is a dead or alive situation and we're kind of leaning towards dead at while fee and jesse overtake agent riley and her other guy and luckily just in the nick of time they do riley calls off the goons michael walks away as like all of his cia former companions are like you're a war criminal we'll get you eventually you son of a bitch you keep calling him a war criminal well because war criminal sounds more fun than enemy of the state and it's also like it it looks off my tongue a little easier enemy of the state does enemy of the state is very good it's just like it's so many more words and syllables that's very true. I'm a busy woman, Chris. Exactly. <laughs> but like at no point 
point, like killing Tom Carter is in no way a war crime. Just to be clear, I'm not. I'm not saying that Michael Weston has never done war crimes, <laughs> but he, this particular situation, he worked for the CIA. He is definitely a war criminal, sure, but yeah. not because of this. Yeah, they, they, I think what they're actually calling me is like traitor. Yeah, they're just calling him a traitor. Yeah, so he's a traitor. He's a murderer. Traitor is even shorter. He's an enemy of the state. Yeah, but two syllables. Traitor, traitor, traitor. This just doesn't sound good unless I do my Sean Connery. Man, time. Do you remember that? Yeah, I have. I know exactly what you're talking about. He says "man talk" and he He slaps a woman's ass. ass. (laughs) It's poetic cinema. (laughs) Poetic cinema meme. My brain is broken. I don't know how to I engage am, with the world. I So is mine. <laughs> I'm so tired. I'm also very tired. Um, Alright, so anyways, they, they kidnap Riley. They try to appeal the truth to her. And she's like, honestly, having heard your side of the story, I don't care. You killed a guy that's very important. You can't do that. I will get you. And Michael's like, all right, bye, I guess. And so they like leave her somewhere in the Everglades. She is lawful neutral. Yeah, very much so. Uh, But but, like, it almost seems like she's like, she vaguely believes them, especially when Michael gets to the part where he's like, Card was running ops off the books and like was not going to stop doing it. I had to stop him. Like that kind of trips her up for a second. But at the end, she's like, honestly, it doesn't matter. You can't just kill guys when you decide they're not good. I mean, you can't just, you can kill guys. You can't kill CIA guys. Right, sure. You can't kill our guys. Mm-hmm. No, you can go kill anyone you want in like Nicaragua or <laughs> and whatever. And we'll cover it up and it'll be fine. But yeah, so they, they like leave her off. You can't and kill escape. him. He's Dr. Cox. <laughs> He's very important. Uh, so the next morning, Michael makes good on his meeting with his mom, uh, who passes him everything that she managed to get from the CIA, who thought she was hard of hearing. Absolute queen. Love this woman. Uh, and then this, oh, and it wasn't a spoiler for next episode. It's a spoiler for this episode. Madeline says, actually, I'm not going to move. I'm staying in Miami because you need my help. And she's like, I'm never going to get over Nate, but I know that if I leave, I will lose you too. And I'm not willing to do that. So you need a woman on the inside. I am your woman on the inside. I got you. Let's do this. Uh, And then he's like, "Um, I don't know. I think I just need to give up. And she's like, okay, well, you could give up right now or you could go down swinging. What's like, let's be honest. What are we going to do? And then she walks away and he looks pensive and the episode ends. I wonder what he's going to do. I don't know. Probably give up. <laughs> There's a, a season and a half left. I guess it'll be his like prison time. All of and a sudden it becomes it be... a prison show. Uh-huh, but not even like a prison break show. Just like no, like yeah. Michael Weston doing his penance. Just Oz. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's the episode. Uh, moving on to spy tips briefly. All right. Let's talk about some spy tips. All right. So there was a lot of spy. There was like 14 voiceover moments. I have found nine, no, eight, that I think are pretty good. So we'll see what the end list looks we'll like. There's they're... a handful are like kind of on the line. Oh, yeah. But like... Ben Watkins is usually pretty good at the spy tip. Yeah. He, he's, he's one of our more, uh, more consistent spy tip boys. Yeah. All right. So number one, if you need to escape a building that's being locked down, speed is key. There's a small amount of time when the authorities coordinate their efforts. Intelligent operatives are trained to take advantage of that window. So it's sort of like a changing of the guard sort of tip. Where it's like, you just got to get out. And like, once people start arriving, like you have a window where they're like coordinating with each other. Yeah. It's sort of an obvious one. I wasn't sure. Um, 
I don't know if I would have thought about that, so it can stay. Okay, yeah. Like, I, I think it's a useful thing. Yeah. Um, and it's it's similar to this next tip. Number two, once a location is completely locked down, the only thing hiding does is delay your capture. To get out, you need to generate action to keep security off balance and on the move. And the only way to do that is to come out right in the open. This one also seems kind of obvious. Well, but it's more like you can't just, like, hide and wait. It's like you need to create a security issue and then, like, flip it. So, like, what he does is he's like, come get this guy. And he uses the commotion of, like, them being on the move and thinking they know where he is against them. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it, yeah. Yeah, I think that's useful. Number three, an RF transmitter can broadcast audio up to three miles away, but a bug with that range needs a steady power source, like wiring from the lamp above the license plate. It takes a little longer, but when you're trying to save a friend, it's time well spent. That's a good tip. Like Mm -hmm. that tip. Mm -hmm. And I like how they even say, like, this will take a little time, so don't expect this to be quick. And then they used it for a narrative purpose. They did do that. All right. They. Ben. Benny Boy Watkins. I mean... I mean, tele- like television, like film, is a collaborative medium. That's true. That's true. I just don't want to get too far off the 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 road of complimenting Ben Watkins on his pretty good episode. It's a pretty good episode, Ben. <laughs> good job, Ben. You did it, Ben. Uh, number four, the best place to rescue a prisoner in transit is at a choke point, at a place where you can force the action into a narrow zone that you control. Well-timed synchronized blasts on both sides of the choke point can separate the vehicles, isolate the person you're trying to retrieve, and create an effective barrier. And when you add covering fire, your opposition will worry more about staying alive than stopping your escape. All that feels like, there's a lot of concrete stuff there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll take that. All right, cool. And then number five, thwarting a breach attempt typically involves meeting force with force, but if you want to buy yourself time without hurting anyone, you don't need firepower. You need a diversion. Without a blasting cap, C4 is really just flammable clay. Luckily, C4 doesn't have to explode to be useful. When your goal is to scare people without killing them, a flaming block of C4 stuffed with bullets will do just fine. That one was fascinating to me because I was like, that was another one where it was like, is that true about C4? Like, I, will I have it, no reason not to believe it. I don't either. So yeah, that's interesting. I'll well, take that. And presumably like C4 has to be flammable and semi-explosive to be a like explosive component, right? Right. No, of course. No, I understand that. It's just more like, so yeah, I guess the question I had was what's the, like, how important, like how much of a blast does the blasting cap need that like bullets don't also do it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm gonna I think liked of, it. I'm going to think about this the next time someone shoots a block of C4. <laughs> I, I mean, usually they're not just shooting the C4. Usually. It's also got blasting caps yeah. and shit, yeah. Exactly. But it reminded me, the thing he was doing with it reminded me of like a lot of those tasty videos where they have like a block of cream cheese yeah. and they're like putting stuff in it. <laughs> That's what it got. I was just thinking like, oh, Michael Weston's making a tasty video. Love that for him. Michael Weston's tasty videos. That's really good. <laughs> Can you imagine? He would have such a calming voice for, like, a visual ASMR-style video. Oh, yeah, no, totally. Now I really want that. Jeffrey Donovan should read audiobooks or something. I bet he he has to. That feels like a thing he would be good at. Anyways. He's narrated his own, like, memoir. (laughs) Anyways, we love you. Come on the show. A Year in the Life of Wicked Pizza. All right. Well, that is officially five practical spy tips. Um, so it, it wins on that. Did we solve the weekly case with spycraft over violence? Uh, did we? Yeah, because it was a lot of like diversions and like moving the target and them having to like improvise on their pursuit. 
Like, they're being pursued and they had to keep, like, everyone is doing different spy stuff to, like, stay apart. That makes sense. Okay, I'll take that. And, like, technically, they didn't actually shoot anyone. I think Jesse maybe pulled off one shot, but mostly... That's true. They were being shot at. That's true. So, yeah, I think that's true. Um, there was no alias. There is no alias. He's he's canonically Michael Weston the entire episode. Um, Someone points at him and goes, that's Michael Weston. <laughs> he's one of ours, I think he says. Um, and then number, uh, I guess technically I should update the burn notice wiki. Hang on. I need this to make was... a note because I forgot to update the burn notice wiki and that's going to bother me. So. Also, to be fair, you mentioned this earlier. Like when he's doing his walk, I will say the least plausible thing about this episode to me is that they just let Michael Weston go. Yeah, well, because their their superior officer is telling them not to, and there is like a hierarchy. No, I understand. The whole that. point is like Michael like, is like the the black. The sheep way that, that she just lets him go, like it seems well a little too easy. I mean, it did a little bit, but like she's got a gun to her head, and she assumes that these people are enemies of the state murderers so yeah. she has every expectation that they will kill her if they let but like and and the other guy she's with all like all she tells them is like all she tells him is like stand down and then he does this walk of shame but my other question is like how many people are in the cia do they all know michael personally like we've never seen any of these people before yeah, like, yeah but he's like been around he's kind of a legend in and of himself i mean there's one thing where it's like a le- he's a legend or whatever. But it's like, are these the people that he has been working with for the past season? Or are these completely different people? I think they're completely different people, but we're led to assume that, like, I mean, he's been around the offices. He has to fill out all that paperwork with Agent Pierce all the time. So, like, they've probably seen him in a conference room looking right. stressed out. I buy that a handful of this, especially because I think it's the guy that's, like, um, Riley's left-hand man. Right. I assume, like, they are sufficiently high up enough that I buy that he would know it. It would be one thing if just one of the randos, you know, like one of the red shirts (laughs) that she throws in any given situation, like, them knowing who he is is maybe a little bit too much. Right. But I buy that, like, the, you know, sycophant to Riley's leader is, like, aware that makes sense. You know what I mean? So all I'm saying is I buy that part. Sorry, I'm just taking notes because I got to update the bird notice wiki because he does use a Chuck Finley alias that would account for an alias used in this episode. Um, so I will do that later. Uh, okay, so are at least two supporting characters used well? Does Fee get to blow something up? No, she is cock-blocked. She is thwarted. She is C4-blocked. <laughs> so no. No, and yeah, and she's not really... A protagonist or anything. So Not really. She she's solidly in the background of this episode. It's uh-huh. really more of a Michael Sam episode. It really is. So speaking of Sam, is he pre- peak Bruce Campbell? I mean, he talks he, about fishing and lies a lot. He's a good old boy. He is a good old boy. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, I think he did a good job. Yeah. Um, I also liked when they're at the storage unit. I didn't mention this part, but when when they're like still kind of assuming that Sam is going to meet them. Um, they mentioned they have beer in their storage unit and they make a joke where it's like, well, we got to get a six pack for Sam. He'll drink it even if it's warm. And I, and, and Jesse makes some like escalating joke about like how much Sam loves beer. And I like that they're all like, yeah, we should get a beer for Sam. It's completely unnecessary to our escape, but I think it'll be good for him. He's had yeah, a rough day. Exactly. I just think that's sweet. It is sweet. 
Okay. Is Jesse a distinct addition rather than a redundancy? He's kind of nothing. He's kind of nothing. Yeah. He's, he's just, just a there. guy who's also there. Yeah. All right. So Madeline, final. This this last one determines if this is a good or a great episode of Burn Notice. Does Madeline get a genuine emotional moment with another character or get to do the case of the week? Kind of both. Kind I would argue. Both? Yeah, I would say. Because like, there's not really a case of the week this week, but no. she is involved in the caper. Yeah, no, I definitely think that she gets us. And I think she yeah. and Michael's scene at the end is really good. No, I think, yeah, I think it's solid, yeah. Where she's kind of like working through, like, I was really pissed. But Still I am, but... But I understand my place in this, and I understand you, and I don't want to lose you. I thought it was nice. I thought it was nice, too. And, like, her learning the card was dead. I think she does a good job with that, where it's like, good. But then she, like, sees how Michael is clearly torn up about it, and I thought that was nice. Yeah, so yeah, I'll take it. this is a great episode of Burn Notice. All uh, right, is it a great episode of television? So for the kind of episode it is, a transitionary episode Mm -hmm. that's like dealing with the repercussions of the week before Mm -hmm. to get us to the updated status quo of the episode after, I thought it was really good. I thought they had a great use of detail. I thought like it was exciting. I felt tense the whole time. Like there were a handful of times where I mentioned like at the beginning that I did my little tackle of like, oh, I see what they're doing here. I'm like delighted by decisions that characters are making. I thought Riley had a great introduction and I think she's interesting. Yeah, no, I'll go along with it if you want to call it a great episode. Yeah, I was I was yeah. kind of going to put it in your plate of yeah. like, I am okay if you talk me out of it especially if as we discuss but i thought it was a good episode yeah no i the thing is it's exactly what burn notice is trying to be yeah no i think yeah i i'll take it yeah great episode television it's a great episode television good job ben watkins you did it has he done it before no that's Ben Watkins. I'll, I'll, I'm going to talk about this in the next episode. I've done some Excel sheet things. No, that is Ben Watkins' first great episode of television. Good job, Benny boy. Congrats, Ben. You're on the board. You're on the board, my man. You're on the Grepisode board. <laughs> uh, which now means that um, he 12.5% of his episodes are great episodes of television. Not that many, but also, you know, more than 10. Mm-hmm. And uh, 87.5% of his episodes include a yogurt. Huh. That one's you. not technically true, but we'll get to that next week. Oh, well, yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk about next week next week. We'll talk about next week. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> Happy fucking New Year. Thanks again to Vince and E.L. for our theme music. You can find more of Vince's music at vincentel.bandcamp.com. I'm talking louder because there's another airplane, but you know what? It's the outro, so who cares? Bye! I'm just really tired. I got really tired in the middle of this one. I know. I watched it happen. I watched you wilt. <laughs>